0: Welcome to episode 14 of the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. This week, we have an interview with Adam Leamy, designer of Spectrum Force. For news on Kickstarter, Damn the Man by Hannah Schaefer is still up. She was on episode 7 talking about that, if you want to check that out. Groves by Stephen Aramini and Dan Letzring is still up on Kickstarter. And Coin and Crown, also by Stephen Aramini and Janice Baker, just launched yesterday. So you got a little while to check that out. For contests. Uh, the Game Crafter has the Game Hold Dungeon Crawler Challenge due August 15th, the Manhattan Project Dice Challenge due September 12th, and the Hidden Movement Challenge due October 23rd. Also, I'm hoping to do a listener question episode soon, so if you have any questions you'd like answered on the show, please email them to theboardgameworkshop@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find links to everything mentioned in this episode on theboardgameworkshop.com. That does it for the news, now on to the interview. I'm here with Adam Leamy, designer of Spectrum Force. Welcome to the show, Adam.
1: Hello, nice to be here.
0: So, Adam, what got you into playing board games, and then what made made you decide to start designing games?
1: Um, I first started board gaming when I was very young, and my first board game I played was Monopoly. (laughs) I got quite competitive with that. Um... I didn't seriously get into board gaming though until the last few years and that's literally because I live in one of those places that doesn't have places for, for board gamers so I had to go out my way to actually go play board games like literally hour plus journeys <laughs> both ways
0: Yeah that can be rough <laughs>
1: Um as for designing I I've, I've been interested in designing a game for a while uh, and uh, while it seems a bit odd um, last last year a good friend of mine passed away and it made me think well do i want i want to do something with my life and have something you know i, I go i've done that i've made this you know accomplish something so rather than keep it as oh i'll get to that dream maybe i decide to actually pursue it properly
0: your game, Spectrum Force, is this your first design?
1: Yep, it is.
0: <laughs> so, what what was the initial inspiration for it?
1: Um, I've been looking. I looked into a few games. Um, I, I tried to capture something from my childhood, something I personally enjoyed, because I wanted to be able to enjoy what I was producing. Um, I re- I quite fondly remembered Power Rangers from back when, and. I looked into it there wasn't any Power Rangers games that are currently in production. The only ones that are there are very old or just like Monopoly remakes.
0: So why don't you describe how Spectrum Force works? What are the the rules and mechanics and stuff?
1: It's a cooperative game for two to five players. It's all based around cards with some dice rolling for um, basically battle systems you know most battle systems involve dice for a bit of luck. Um, it's taken multiple iterations to get to where it is, as is with most game designs. The main point of the game is the cooperative nature, where players can actually interact with each other by using what's called team attacks. And this allows players to combine their cards together and create a more powerful attack. In quite a few um, cooperative games I've played, I noticed that it was very rare that players actually interacted with with each other. It was usually just they do their own little thing towards whatever the common goal of the game was. But it's very rare that they were like would do something together per se.
0: Yeah,
1: if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it sounds neat. It um it reminds me a little bit of. I know there's, like, several Ninja Turtle games now, but one of the new ones, I think, from IDW has a dice system where, depending on how you set up your dice, or the person on each side of you gets to also use one of your dice on that end. So, like, planning how people use things, so it adds some of that teamwork. So that's it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, that that's kind of what uh, what I'm doing. So it, it's more about combining the cards to get to create a more powerful attack, because not only do you increase the power of the allies' attack, each of the cards have special abilities that can stack together as well, and the special abilities are what makes each of the player characters unique, because I tried to make sure there wasn't too much crossover between each of the players, so each of them felt a bit different from each other, but at the same time I also wanted them to feel balanced, because in quite a lot of the cooperative games i'm going to mention legendary here because that's one of my main sort of inspirations um i noticed that you will even though you have 30 plus heroes you tend to only use about what about eight of them at best mm-hmm. and this carries on with other games like um oh god sentinels of the multiverse where you you have such a wide array of characters, but you only tend to use a very small number of those. And I was like, well, I'd rather just have quality rather than quantity. Yeah. Rather than have 50 plus characters and people only using about 10, I would rather just have the 10.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, it fits well with the power Rangers inspiration, having the teamwork and only a couple of characters. So does each, does each player have their own uh, character deck or how does that work?
1: Um, Each player gets a character card, a weapon card, and then has their own set deck. Um, There's no deck building, it's just you grab your character cards and your deck, and you're good to go. Um, Each character has a different character ability, and each deck plays slightly differently to the others, so one of them requires you to discard cards from your deck and gets more powerful if you have a large amount of cards in your discard pile. Another one focuses on getting more cards into your hand and discarding them for more power. Another one focuses on the better your dice roll, the better things you do. Another is a sort of combo player where where the successive cards get more powerful as time goes on. Um, And another one sort of generates these tokens which are used. So each of them feels slightly different but also kind of similar because the way the battle system works is you just have a set number based on the attack, so if it's a small attack it'd be 2, if it's a bigger attack it'd be 4, and you add a d6 to that. So each of the players has has those kind of things, so each of the attacks are roughly equivalent to each other with the special abilities making them different and unique but also mostly similar in terms of power anyway, because I wanted to make sure things were balanced so players were. I've been in so many games where, they're like, well, I want to be this this character because it's the best character, and that character is always the first to be picked.
0: Yeah, balance, balance is tough but important. So, because it's a co-op game, you're fighting against the game. So, how yeah. the how's the enemy system or AI work?
1: Um, I use a AI deck, um, as it would be termed. The deck is based on the number of players. So, what I mean by that is. Uh, in a smaller player game, I won't include some of the more powerful cards because obviously that would be a slight imbalance and in in favor of the game. So certain cards are added the more players you get. The full deck is used in a five player game. So it's a thirty card deck. fifteen cards are used for two players, and five cards are added for each player after that. So at the end it'll be thirty cards, and each of the cards say, Resolve this attack and do this thing. And each of the bosses have their own set of attacks and abilities on their card. So they have a standard, a strong, a mega and an ultimate attack. So a card might say resolve a strong attack and do this. And so you re- reference the bad guy card. You look at his as as attack profile and resolve whatever the strong attack is for that bad guy.
0: Do you just choose one bad guy to fight for the game or do you go through different ones? How's that set up?
1: Um, players get to decide what bad guy they're facing and they also get to pick a scenario which is sort of like what the bad guys are doing. You know, like... Uh, so the one I've created right right now is um, called City in Peril where you're having to keep... make sure the city doesn't completely blow up. And... Um, yeah. each turn the city gets attacked but you can sort of step in the way and reduce the damage but you take damage so you have to sort of manage your health and the city's health to make sure that you actually survive and actually beat the bad guy and there'll be other scenarios that affect the game in some ways
0: How well is the design coming along? You're running into any issues? Is there? I know the AI must be really tough to balance because you want it hard but not too hard
1: Um, The balance is the most difficult thing, because I've been told that it starts really difficult and then gets progressively easy as time goes on, but I found that in most cooperative games, like especially the two I got inspired by, which is uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse and Legendary, um, it it tends tends to start off really difficult and then sort of gets progressively easier as you sort of get your foothold um there's a lot of other games i've played like that where it sort of starts off easy but generally it seems pretty balanced on the whole i mean i've had players lose i've had players close to losing i've had some easier games it's it's still in the tweaking process of making sure all the numbers are within you know balance of where players don't feel like oh we can never win but also they feel oh we could lose if this goes wrong
0: yeah, I mean setting setting the difficulty is difficult, but I think a lot of it depends on your audience. Like when you're going for a lighter co-op like Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert, like keeping it easy at the beginning helps players get in. But then Ghost Stories is an incredibly mean co-op, but people love it despite its very low win percentage. So,
1: yeah, um I feel the my game is pretty well balanced and it's um i'm hoping it's easy to learn i mean it's one of those things where some people really easily get and some people don't so it's kind of hard to gauge just how difficult my game is to learn
0: it takes more and more play tests i'm finding out with my games that what seems easy on paper turns out to be incredibly difficult to say or vice versa you can't write it out in four pages but you can explain it with two pictures
1: yeah i've um only just recently finished my rule book and I was like, Wow, that's twenty pages of rule book there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is it is tough. So let's move on. You you use Tabletopia to do remote playtesting, right?
1: Yeah, I've got a version up on Tabletopia which is up to date with the current rules and the current cards. So what's the process
0: of setting up Table because I've gotten into it a little bit, but I haven't quite gotten to having a full game up there. So walk us so, through that.
1: First of all, you just create an account, which is pretty simple. Now, I've got only a standard account, which means I can only actually have one game set, set up for free. If I wanted to have, say, more games, if I ever wanted to build other games, which I probably will. I do have another design that I'm currently working on. I would have to start paying a monthly fee, so I can have more than one game running at a time. But um, you can create one sort of free setup if you only. So if you're only working on one project, it's perfect for that. And what you do is you can create what's called game objects. So you can create s- s- such things as a card, a tile, or even a deck of cards, which saves you time. That's what I use to like once i knew once i found out what i was doing it only takes about 1 to 2 hours to actually upload your components if it if if you've got all your components sort of like on la- on your computer sort of like pictures of them it's quite easy to upload them onto tabletopia um yeah it's it's pretty easy to upload the stuff i'd say what's more difficult is learning how the uh, how Tabletopia itself works.
0: Yeah, that's that's where I'm running into problems. But I
1: mean, I, I I had some friends who knew what to do in it, so it was pretty. It wasn't too much of a learning curve for me, but it's not that difficult. It's mostly learning what buttons do what, um, how to select multiple items, and that kind of stuff. I mean, it does have inbuilt tutorials to show you what you need to do, and there's plenty of people online who would probably help, because the number one thing i found is that the ballgaming community is very helpful and, you know, quite approachable and nice to talk to.
0: Oh, definitely. I know there's um, a Tabletop Simulator Tabletopia Facebook group I'm in, which is a wealth of knowledge that I just haven't had time to read, so...
1: I didn't even I didn't even know they existed. I mean, there's still there's still stuff I'm learning. Oh, that exists! I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, it's it's constant with this community, which is great because there's always more stuff to learn and more people to help you. So, how do you how do you set up games on Tabletopia? Do you just talk to your friends? Do you go online and get strangers?
1: Um, I haven't had many games with it online. I only just recently finished uploading it, but. Um, I have had a, a, game or two, a game or two on it, and I just talked to some designer friends that I've met, uh, arranged the time, and we just sorted a game out. But I'll probably try and arrange some more games to test it, though I'm preferably wanting to do what's called blind playtesting, where I get someone who, who say, enjoyed my game, has read the rule book and know how it works, and get them to just run it for me rather than me be there because I need to know the game stands by itself without me having to go, oh, that's how that works or, you know.
0: So you've done in-person playtests too, I assume, with your physical
1: copy. I've only just recently started moving into blind playtesting. All right. So how would you
0: compare the experience of playtesting in real life versus Tabletopia? Do you feel it's a good enough simulation or do you lose a lot without being really there?
1: Um, I would say you do lose a bit of something. It's it's not as personal doing it on Tabletopia for one. And it's a lot more fiddly to yeah. like it's much easier to sort of grasp a game when you can, you know, just pull you know, in, when it's physically in front of you, you can just pick up a card and look at it. In Tabletopia you have to move your mouse over and press a button While that sounds really simple, it's not as easy as, you know, reaching over and just grabbing something. So I'd say it's a lot more fiddly, and because of that, it actually adds about at least a half an hour or more to the game time alone. Just for the fact of selecting the components in the game isn't as quick as what it would be if you had a physical copy in front of you
0: yeah and then you're adding an additional learning curve for new players because they have to learn tabletopia yeah. in addition to learning your game. so it can it can add a bit. but it's still it's nice to be able to get people together around the world. And I know publishers use it a lot so they can show stuff off to other people and it kind of speeds that up.
1: I get it, which is why I have a tabletopia version of it. Um, it also gets my game up, out to a wider audience than what I could get to myself. So it is very useful. It's just, very finicky yeah
0: well we're almost out of time here so is there anything else you would like to talk about or any playtests you have coming up you want to promote
1: um well there's no playtests i should really promote because most of my playtests are within the uk so (laughs) i'm gonna guess most of your listening audience will be in the us so
0: actually the uk is number two though
1: yeah well th- there's a day long um playtest event in august which i'll be going to and there's also a uh, another playtest event which is next week that i'll be going to so i've got some play- playtests um set up okay. um and then i'm actually going to be spending some more money on my game and actually creating some physical prototypes that don't look like uh, what they look like now and sending it to um, some people I met at the UK Board Game Expo, which was in June, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be playtesting my game for me, and hopefully that will go okay.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, that brings up another point. You're my first guest from the UK. Actually, I think you're my first guest from outside the US. Um what... Hooray, I'm a first. <laughs> What's the design community like in the u k are you where are you lo- are you located near city or
1: um I have to go out my way to meet fellow designers um there's no one in my local area that I know of mm-hmm. so most most design- most playtests I do now are at least an hour plus journey time for me, so I have to like plan them in advance. And make sure I have the day off, and make sure my partner's okay with that because I have a son. So, mm. I, if I'm doing like these playtest days, I have to make sure that okay, I can actually go to them.
0: You probably want to make sure it's a long enough one to bother traveling. I wouldn't go well, out of my way I, for just one game.
1: Generally, I generally I'll take the one game, even though it's only one. It's better than none, and it gets my <laughs> it gets me to meet more people and more people get to test it i mean feedback from playtesters have been quite valuable i would say feedback from designers is more valuable um Mm -hmm. having another designer who knows a bit about game design look at your game and go you know you could do this so much easier if you did that or pointing out you could improve that or that by doing that because they sort of design i feel like as a designer you have a more analytical mind of going well that seems a bit complicated you could simplify that and whenever I've done playtests with other designers I kind of have a look at the game and go all right how could I actually sim- how would I simplify this for the and give those suggestions to that person whether they take on board or not is up to them but it's like well you could do this and that would actually be a bit easier than what you're doing now
0: yeah, playtesting with designers is is great. It's also especially early on when your game is still very rough. Designers will accept that because they understand that you have to go through that. But once you once you get to the public, they are less accepting of index cards and placeholder art.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I I actually haven't had that much of an issue with that. Um, I've had I've only recently started having more designers look at my game, but generally. Most of the people who've played it have been just general public, and there hasn't been a particular issue with people going, oh, that's got such shoddy art, because if they're agreeing to play test a game you're designing, they they know what they're getting in for at the beginning, so I don't think they mind when they say, oh, that, that doesn't look like a proper game, because they know they're playing a prototype at that true. point, and that's what they agreed to do. It's like, oh, I want to play a prototype of a game that isn't even released yet.
0: True, true. Well, that is all of our time so you want to give some info of where people can contact you
1: well i'm on the Board game um, design forum bgdf.com um which and just adam Leamy me on that i'm also on facebook um same again my second name is spelled l-e-a-m-e-y if you wanted to look me up um, my email is my literally my name, no spaces, at gmail.com if you wish to contact me or you're interested in playing a game themed on Power Rangers and Sentai shows in general. Or just want to talk about design or maybe you're from the UK and wanting to get in contact with another desi- designer. Because I, I know that there's not many UK designers I'm in contact with. And sometimes I wish I was because while a lot of my design friends are in America and, uh, and one problem I have is just the time zones. Like a a lot of the time, I just can't talk to these people because they're in such a different time zone to me. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. Time zones are a pain. I am finding out from this podcast because almost no one is in my time zone.
1: Oh yes. Yes. (laughs) Time zones are a pain. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I, hope it was interesting and useful <laughs> that does it for this episode if you'd like to get in touch with the show
0: you can find it on twitter at the bg workshop on facebook.com slash the board game workshop and email the board game at gmail.com show notes are on the board thanks for listening